Welcome to the Design Doctor Podcast, where we talk about how to decorate, remodel, or build a home without losing your mind. I'm your host, Krisha Palmer, physician turned interior designer and life coach. So come on in and have a seat. Let's talk. Hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I want to talk about a topic that's really close to my heart and very dear to my guest's heart. And it's something I don't think we think about when it comes to decorating and designing our homes, but it's a really big deal and it affects so many people. And that is how to design for those of us who have children with special needs. And when you think about it, our emotions and our sense of well-being are greatly influenced by our environments, our homes especially. And so for those who might be neurodivergent or who may have developmental delays, think about how their environment impacts them in likely an even deeper way. So when I say special needs, we're really talking today about those who are on the autism spectrum, developmental delays, sensory processing issues, apraxia, the list is long. And even if you don't have a child with special needs, it's likely that you know someone who does. My child, I have a child that had many special needs when he was young, and our guest has a son that does as well. She is interior designer Nicole Fulton, and I'm delighted to have her on the podcast today to talk about the way we design our homes and how that can affect those we love with special needs. So welcome to the podcast, Nicole. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, thanks, Krisha. This has been something I've been looking forward to for a long time. So I'm so excited to talk with you today about your special needs situation, my special needs situation, and all the good things there, because like you said, it is truly near and dear to my heart, too. Oh, wonderful. I'm so excited. So just a little bit, I always kind of want our listeners to get to know our guest. And so we're going to go through a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests, and then we'll dive into our topic. But just tell us, you're an interior designer. Nicole and I actually met in a sort of a mastermind group that we're both in. And so can you tell us a little bit about your interior design practice and what you do? Sure, absolutely. So I am an interior designer and residentially residential remodeling specialist in South Central Wisconsin. So we love to craft and create spaces that truly support women and their families in their homes. So that's been a joy of mine for the last 30 years. And it is something that keeps me getting up every morning and excited to go to work. Wonderful, wonderful. So tell us, um, what is your biggest guilty pleasure? An embarrassing, embarrassing amount of audiobooks. <laughs> oh, I, lo- I love audiobooks. I love podcasts. I guess it's very simple. Yeah. Yeah. So it is an embarrassing amount of, of suspense, mystery kinds of audiobooks. I can't get enough of those. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I love that. What about what was your childhood dream? Oh, gosh. My childhood dream is was we were my family moved almost every year when I was a kid. Um, my dad was a civil engineer. So every time the bridge or the dam or the highway was done, we would move to the next bridge or dam or highway. So we moved a lot. So part of my everyday life was sort of reinventing our spaces and thinking and looking at it. And actually, I would tear pages out of architectural digest and rubber cement them into notebooks. Am I dating myself that anybody who knows what rubber cement actually? I remember actually- rubber cement. Yeah, <laughs> you, can't, you can't forget yes. that smell. <laughs> so I would create my own like sort of collages of interior. I didn't know that that was something you could do for a living. So if I'd known that was a thing that you could do as a profession, that would have been my dream for sure. 
I love that. I, I wasn't aware of it either, but I have memories um, of getting graph paper and designing my own dream home and thinking of like drawing out my own floor plan. And I was probably nine. You know? Yes. So yes. I, we come, we came by it early, right? Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's great. I want to dive into our topic and I know that you have a son with special needs and I do too. So I just wanted to start from a personal point of view so that everyone that's listening can kind of understand where all of this is coming from. So can you tell us a little bit about your son and your experiences with, with him? Absolutely. Absolutely. So back in 2005, my son was three and he was diagnosed on the autism spectrum and he had significant language delays and developmental delays. And we had been advocating for more testing at that point. You know, he was little. Um, and we knew that something wasn't kind of typical, um, wasn't typical for how he was progressing with his language and interactions and those things. And I, I knew that there was something coming, but still when I heard that diagnosis of autism, my whole world just kind of fell in. Um, I just wasn't sure how to help him. You know, I didn't know enough about autism or special needs kiddos and how to even think about that and, and make things easier for him. So all you want when you hear that diagnosis that your kid has, your kiddo has a autism spectrum or any other um, special needs diagnosis, you just want them to have the best possible life they can. And I didn't know what that even looked like. You know, in 2005, there was a lot less mainstream information available about autism. And I just wasn't even sure where to start. Every piece of liter of research I would read maybe one thing out of 10 would apply to him or a couple of things. So it was really hard to navigate and to sort of learn more um, in a way that was applicable to my son. Um, I just got more and more overwhelmed by the process. And at that point, the waiting list for autism therapy was 18 months. You couldn't even get in wow. to start a therapy process. So for about 18 months. And so what happened was I just I panicked, you know, all I thought was like, okay, all these developmental windows are closing and, you know, either he's missing all of them and you sort of this, this mom panic sort of set in um, and obviously rightly or wrongly, it wasn't a rational process, but I felt like we were, I was missing all these windows and I wasn't sure how to even get the information to help him. So, you know, worried about all those developmental milestones, you know, everything we do for moms of typical kids and special needs kids, our, our worries are the same with, with the special needs though. I was just so it was sort of on steroids, right? It was right. the whole process, but on steroids, I was just even that much more worried. When your child is diagnosed with special needs, it can feel rather isolating. Um, there wasn't a lot of places that you could speak openly mm -hmm. about what he was going through, what our family was going through, like sort of where, you know, a place where that was you know, safe and easy. Um, my friends that all had typically developing kids, I didn't necessarily want to talk to them about what my son was going through because you never want someone to think that you think there's something wrong with your child or, or you wish things were different because to you as a mom, they're perfect the way they are. It's just different challenges and a different process you have to navigate and, and figuring that out and figuring out how to do the best you can for your fam your whole family, your typically developing kids and your special needs kids. And it was just just, it was really overwhelming and isolating. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I understand this because I too have a son. He is 18 now, but he has mild cerebral palsy. He has right-sided, mild right-sided hemiplegia. 
and um, had significant just global developmental delays and didn't talk to he was almost five and I can relate I totally agree with you that um, it can be you know being a mom being a parent especially a new parent is hard no matter what and you worry about all the little things and then when you layer on top of that uh, special needs it is really challenging in and of itself as a full-time job and can be very isolating mm -hmm. I remember feeling very alone many times. I think that, you know, we're our child's best mm -hmm. advocate. And so even the kind of the pressure that comes with that can be a lot. How old is your son now? He just turned 21. So is, yeah, I, when I'm talking about this though, it feels like it was yesterday, right? Like when you're talking about those, getting those diagnosis and how you're kind of navigating those those that first chapter in your your child's life and your life with that diagnosis, it feels like it was yesterday. But yeah, he's already 21. And he is, you know, off and running and, and, and having a really good life. And that gives me a ton of joy. When you get that first diagnosis, you have no idea, right? You have no idea if they're ever going to talk, if they're going to have friends, if they're going to have a life that is theirs and that they can sort of take forward on their own. So, you know, when he was diagnosed, he was tantruming like 25 times a day, you know, so that was such a hard process to even think that they would have this progression and you you never know, it could, it could have worked out that he didn't have any of those things. You just don't know when you get that. And that's so scary as a mom, just to not know what your child's life is going to look like. You know, you just want it to be the best it can be, but that uncertainty can be so hard for moms, for me to accept, for me to accept that I couldn't know what that was going to be. And uh, it was, it was really hard time. Yeah, I can definitely relate, relate to all of that. Kind of relating this to what our topic today, which is decorating and interior design, I think that a lot of people don't automatically make the connection between how your home is designed with the needs of someone who is autistic or has other, you know, unique developmental or special needs. So can you uh, just kind of explain how our environment can impact someone with autism from your perspective as a designer and as a mom? So this was something that it, it, it was, you know, when, when my son was diagnosed, you know, I didn't know anything about, you know, autism and, and sensory stimulus and all these good things that you sort of, you, you learn baptism by fire on all those things. But what I started noticing was that, you know, with such language delays, can those can often get frustrated because they can't communicate what they want. You know, he, there was something where there was so much like noise and sound and, and overstimulation in his day. And I think that led to a lot of the tantrums and a lot of triggers for him. So it's just strong smells, loud noises, bright lights, all of that can just overwhelm them and then cause them to withdraw from family life or from school life or things. So, so giving, giving, my son a space in our home that sort of was calming and he had a lot of control. I think a lot of times when you're, when you're overloaded with stimulus and you don't have a lot of language, you know, it can be, you feel out of control of your own life too. In addition to being a typical toddler, you know, all toddlers feel like that, but adding on those sensory things. So for me, it was something that giving him a really easy and safe space to be in our home where he had control about whether he could retreat, he could find the things he was looking for, he could be as involved in family activities or not as he wanted to be. So that was sort of a, a way for me to create a safe space for him that was like a haven that he could just go and shut all of it out. 
Right. Yeah. So how, how were you able to do that during, what are some of the things that you did during that time to kind of create that space for him? So for me also too, let's be clear, this was something that he could have control over, but this was something I could control too. So as something that I didn't know anything about autism, I didn't know anything about helping a special needs kiddo, but, but creating a, a space that supported someone, that was my, my wheelhouse. So I got busy with that. And maybe that gave me an illusion of control too, in the process that this was one thing in his world that I can control. So a lot of times with um, kids that are nonverbal, in our space, we had a lot of open storage so he could see what he was looking for, less frustration or there'd be photos of the storage thing, photos of the items that were stored in it on the outside of the container so he could easily see what he was looking for without making a verbal request. We had um, our, all of our bookcases were outward facing. So you could see, we, we installed bookcases that you could see all of the covers and the titles of the books. So it was something that all he had to do was point to it or he could get it out himself. But having the, the cover of the book facing out, that gave him a ton of control. We also had um, a really big, a really big, what I call a retreat space. So for him, it was like this seven foot tall canvas canopy canopy tent, sorry, not a canopy, a tent that he could go in and there's all these like kind of feather bed crash pads that he could go in there and he could close the flaps on the teepee. He could control that. He's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, mom. I don't want to see you anymore, mom. He could still hear yeah. me, but it was his way of saying like, I'm overloaded. You know, I need a minute or I need a lot of minutes, you know, like I need you to stop asking, talking, all the things. So those were some really big things. In addition, we had um, a lot of sensory issues, a lot of sensory tape. We had a, a really interactive sensory table where there was a lot of ways to sort of self-soothe with all that, you know, sensory things that can be so great for all the kids on special on the special needs spectrum. Yeah, I love all of these ideas. It's funny because they're not things that we automatically think about. And they're just small, easy things that you can modify that gives, you know, that gave your son that sense of control and, you know, the place for him to decompress and, and be by himself. Uh, and I love that. And I love, I just love the fact that as a designer, you're like, okay, this is my wheelhouse. I can create an, a beautiful, comfortable environment that I love that that really serves him. So that's really cool. So it was one of those where I wanted to give him everything he needed, but I also didn't want to feel like I was living in a preschool a pre-K classroom or a therapy space. You know, for me, that didn't feel like that was something that felt particularly comfortable or an extension of our home or an extension of a space that we would all want to be in. So I sort of really got it to make it very comfortable, but also aesthetically pleasing. So he liked to be in there. Yeah. So how did you do that? Because that's, that's, because, you know, we, we talk about these things like, you know, the different visual cues. I know that with my son, we, we used um, a lot of visual cues in terms of you know, this is your schedule for the day with pictures, you know, first we do this, then we do this and incorporating those things around the house. But how did you do that without feeling like you were living kind of in a pre-K classroom or- Right, exactly, exactly. So, cause there's only so much red plastic we can take, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> designers, right? Exactly, exactly. So what I did was I layered in a lot of things that would have been at home in any other room of our our house. You know, we had a really comfortable, you know, kind of sofa in there that he could curl up in. All of the fabrics and things that were on his big, you know, crash pad pillows were all sort of designer fabrics, but just sewn onto those. Um, we had, instead of getting a really big 
sort of table that was completely designed for sensory or something like that. I just sort of converted a table with big rollout bins that it was, it just looked like a regular coffee table, but it was great for him because everything he needed was there, but it didn't feel, it wasn't broadcasting that this is plastic and, you know, we can spray it down with a hose, like, you know, so it was a way of incorporating materials that you would use in the rest of your home into this space as well. We got end tables that had lots of drawers for all the sensory things. So things that still felt of the level of, of a beautiful space, but something that still had all the functionality that a kid with special needs needs, that it makes their life so much easier. And I saw right away when we incorporated these things into his space, I saw right away that the tantruming was so much less, you know, that his, his frustration was less. And that was such a joy to see because it allowed him to come at everything else in his day and outside of our home, even from a much calmer place that he had somewhere where he was in control and things were easy. And it just sort of allowed, it set him up on his best footing for the rest of his day or the end of his day or whenever he was home, it just allowed him to, to sort of be in a good place, you know, without having all of that extra demands, all of those extra demands that fall on special needs kids every day. Yeah. And that, and that's priceless. I mean, ultimately I remember when we were chatting before and you told me like, I did all these things, there was a difference. Like he was more at home, his quality of life was better and, and yours too. What's one thing a mom with a special needs child could do now? We have a lot of listeners who do have children with special needs. I can imagine that, you know, you're overwhelmed already as a mom with, with a child that has unique needs and you already kind of have this pressure that you have to do all the things. I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed. So what's just one simple thing that anyone now listening could do in their home that might improve the experience for their child? Well, I think the one thing they could do, they're already doing it because they're listening to this podcast, because I think as a special needs parent, just to stay open to new information and seeking information. Like they've already got a parent that's doing that. So the, your, your kiddo's already won, right? They've already won because they've got someone who's invested in, in their best possible quality of life. But I'm sure you're not talking about that. But beyond that, I think the biggest thing that I saw, the biggest transformative from my son was a retreat space. So that can be any kind of tent or it can be sort of a, you know, cordoned off corner of your space. Like it can be anything, but just allowing them to have some control for retreat, you know, just to, so that they can remove themselves from maybe a situation that is overstimulating or where they feel really stressed or they feel like there's too many verbal demands on them. So for me, if there was any one thing, I would pick that because it seems to give them the biggest sense of control and just allows them to decompress in a way that they can set the pace. They can set the tone yeah. for that. Is there anything different that you did for yourself in your home? Because, you know, we talk about providing the best environment for our kids, but we need to be taken care of as well as, as moms and dads or, or caregivers. Was there anything that you found particularly helpful during that time in terms of what you did with your home or your environment? So I think as special needs moms, we're really great at not putting our needs anywhere on the ladder, right? There's there's no place for our needs anywhere on the ladder. We put it way, way down. But I think for me, it felt it felt like making that space a beautiful extension of our home and a space that served him felt like that was doing something for me as well. I think because our, our world got so small and, and isolated because where we could go 
got so limited as he, as he was tantruming and overwhelmed. So we stayed home more and more and more. So we have, when we saw friends and family, largely they would come to our house, you know? So for me to feel like I had a space that embraced anybody for him, embraced him and embraced anybody else that wanted to come into that space and interact with him, that felt a little bit like a gift to myself as well, because it was, functional and an easy space for us all to be in, but also beautiful. As a designer, I still wanted it to be lovely. So I feel like that was somewhat a gift I gave myself too. Um, I think probably looking back, it probably wasn't enough of, for for prioritizing our needs as, as a special needs mom. But I think we're really good at, at not doing that, which which is unfortunate. So that's why we're kind of starting this conversation now about how to make this easy, you know, we have to make this this easy for anybody who wants to do this. And so I think starting this conversation from a design and a special needs perspective equally is, is super rewarding for me. And if we can affect some changes, some easy changes for people who might need that those tips and might need that in their home. That's really joyful for me. Wonderful. So you actually offer a special design service related to this, to what you've been discussing. Can you tell us about that? We do. We do. We have a service that's called Special Needs Sanctuary. And what it does is it is a virtual service where we work with clients helping them design a space that fits all of their special needs child's needs in a play space or a family room space or a bedroom space. We do all of that. Um, we do all of that designing for them to have it feel like an extension of their home, but also meeting their child's particular needs really beautifully at the same time. So that is a virtual service that we offer nationwide. And it is a really exciting one that we can just take one more thing off someone someone's very busy and very full plate. You know, you've got enough to navigate as a new special needs mom, like just figuring out therapy and school and doctor's appointments and diet and all the things that we're bombarded with and we need to. This one at least was somewhere we could we could help. Yeah, we could take this one thing off of off of your plate. We could help with this. So it it's it's sort of turnkey and you're ready to go, which is just really exciting. Yeah. And I absolutely love this because mm -hmm. back when my son was little and we were going through um, a lot of challenging times. It was before I uh, left medicine and went back and got my design degree. Um, and I can imagine like I would have loved to have a service like this because I remember that level of just, you know, worry and anxiety and fatigue and, you know, being in the house all the time with your child, because like you say, you're limited to what you can go out and do to have that you know, service of someone coming in and just saying like, we can make this a space that is going to help your child feel more comfortable and also make you feel more comfortable is just truly priceless. So if our listeners want to find out about more about that service, where can they find you? Well, and also too, Krisha, we have a, we have a free downloadable too. We have a free oh, downloadable that has six easy steps that anyone can kind of implement to get started. So we have a free a free downloadable guide. It's called Special Needs Sanctuary, and that can be found at nestinteriordesign.net slash sanctuary. So that can you can download that all for free um, to get you started on your your new playroom or your new space for your special needs child. And then also too for our um, special needs design service, you can also find that at nestinteriordesign.net and it's in our services. It's just called special needs sanctuary. Wonderful. So that's nestinteriordesign.net. I will put a link to that and a link to your freebie in the show notes. So all you have to do is go to the show notes, click on the link and get that six step guide to kind of get you started. 
Well, wonderful. I thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Krisha. Thank you so much. If you're a woman physician who loves all things design and decorating, be sure to check out my private Facebook group, House Calls for Physicians, or you can visit my website at www.housecallsforphysicians.com.